Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big, juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. Good morning. Gloves off, masks on. Overnight, school districts from Florida to Texas defied their state's governors, overruling bans on mask mandates in schools, even under threat of losing funding or salaries as childhood COVID rates skyrocket. That's your child. That's your baby. Do you really want to risk it? With children nationwide returning to the classroom, why the surge in cases among the young? The latest straight ahead. To the extreme, more than 100 million Americans from coast to coast waking up to brutally hot temperatures. Parts of the Midwest hit with severe weather overnight, including tornadoes near Chicago. And the South prepares for potential severe weather with a tropical storm threatening to form in the Caribbean. Al's tracking it all. Breaking overnight, a condo building in Miami evacuated after officials deemed the structure unsafe. Hundreds of residents given just hours to flee six weeks after that deadly collapse in South Florida. We'll have the very latest from the scene. Royal Bombshell, a woman who says she was sexually abused as a teenager by Prince Andrew, files a lawsuit against him. This morning, her disturbing allegations and the fallout now facing the royal family. Will the prince finally be forced to answer questions under oath? A live report from London just ahead. Those stories, plus Daily Double Trouble, Jeopardy's executive producer and the reported frontrunner to replace Alex Trebek, speaking out to address discrimination lawsuits in his past, his message to longtime fans of the show. And unforgettable Olympians, American Molly Seidel with a stunning bronze in just her third marathon ever. And this is a phenomenal moment as Molly Seidel taps her chest and says, we did it, we did it, I did it. Eddie Alvarez joining one of the world's most exclusive clubs, a medal winner in the summer and winter games. And fresh from Tokyo, both stars are paying us a visit today, Tuesday, August 10th, 2021. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Hoda Kutby, live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. And good morning, everybody. Welcome to today on a Tuesday morning. Good to have you with us. We've got Craig here. Hoda's enjoying the week off. And we have another great crowd yes. on our plaza. We're just getting used to this. We love that plaza. And we are going to welcome some remarkable Team USA athletes right there in just a few. Yes, we are. But we do want to start this Tuesday morning with a number of breaking stories. First up, those dangerous storms that swept across the Midwest overnight. They come amid those warnings of extreme heat across much of the country. We're live in Chicago, and Mr. Roker is standing by with that forecast. Awesome. So I had the very latest on that overnight evacuation of an eight-story eight story condo building deemed unsafe in Miami. This, of course, coming just weeks after the collapse in nearby Surfside, Florida, where 98 people were killed. We're going to have a live report from that scene. But we do start this morning with the very latest on the pandemic. The United States reporting one million new cases in the first nine days of this month alone to surpass more than 36 million overall. And with thousands of children heading back to the class, 
this week. The debate over masks is intensifying. Some school officials now saying they will be required in defiance of their governor's ban on mask mandates. We're going to talk to the CDC's former acting director about all of this in a moment. He's a pediatrician, too. But first, NBC's Carrie Sanders in Naples, Florida, with the latest. Carrie, good morning. Well, good morning. I'm at Osceola Elementary School here in Naples. Well, yes, today is the first day of school. Seven states, including Florida, have banned mask mandates. So school administrators here won't know until the end of the day how many of the 47,000 students that are going to school here, how many parents decided to keep their kids back because there is no mask requirement. All of this coming as health officials say nationwide, fewer than half of all kids between the ages of 12 and 18 are vaccinated, which puts those children in the crosshairs of this crisis. This morning, with cases rising in every state, the U.S. is seeing the highest number of infections since February. Hospitals in many southern states pushed to the brink. We're at a, an emergency situation here, no doubt about it. Arkansas's governor regretting his previous ban on masks. Uh, it was an error to sign that law. I, I admit that. The Pentagon now mandating vaccinations for nearly 2 million service members by mid-September. And with major school districts opening soon across the country, there's growing concern about keeping kids safe. Last week, there were nearly 94,000 new infections in children, an increase of nearly 80% in a month. Hospital rates among kids have tripled, but the debate over masks in schools is only intensifying. Let the parents make the decisions. Let the kids breathe. In Florida, Governor Ron DeSantis is banning districts from requiring masks, even threatening to cut the salary of any superintendent who defies him. In a terse letter, Florida's chapter of the American Academy of Pediatrics called his rhetoric dangerous and pushed for universal masking in schools. Fifth grade teacher Alyssa Tate says none of her students complained about wearing masks last year. We want our students to feel safe. We want our families to feel like they're sending their kids to a safe environment. Tennessee mom Mersana Merrick wishes she'd been more diligent about masking her daughter Blair. The nine-year-old who is immunocompromised tested positive for COVID last week. Unable to breathe, she was put on a ventilator. This after her father passed away just three weeks ago. At his viewing, she told me she wanted to be with him. I was scared that she would just not fight because she wanted to be with her dad. Luckily, Blair is now recovering and breathing on her own. Mercada says masking kids should not be a political debate. That's your child. That's your baby. Do you really want to risk it? The CDC is urging that anybody going into a high transmission area like a school wear a mask. And they tell us now that these N95 masks, of course, are the most effective. These masks, the ones that we've gotten from like hospitals, they're about 40% effective. And the cloth masks, well, they're the least effective, about 20% protection. But they point out even this is better than nothing. Savannah? Carrie, thank you. And joining us now, Dr. Richard Besser, former acting director of the CDC. He is now president of the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, as well as a practicing pediatrician. Dr. Besser, good morning. It's good to see you as always. 
Good morning, Savannah. It's, it's nice to be here. Let's talk about this explosive growth in the number of kids infected with COVID, a fourfold increase since just the start of last month, July, and a 20% week-over-week increase in kids being hospitalized. What do you attribute that to? I mean, is there any evidence that the Delta variant is more dangerous, more virulent with kids? You know, I, I haven't seen convincing evidence that it's that it's more severe. I, I think the jury's out on that. But just the fact that so many more children are being infected with, with this strain means that there will be more children who have severe disease. There will be more children who are hospitalized. And unfortunately, there will be more children who, who die for, from COVID. And that's not something we should allow to happen. Once again, this issue of masks is being very hotly debated, especially as kids are returning to the classroom. We've got some governors banning mask mandates. Now we have school districts overruling them. But the, the governor's position is let parents choose. Let parents exercise personal responsibility. So let's follow that logic from a public health perspective. If you go to a school and some kids are wearing masks and some aren't, what happens? Well, it, it increases the risk for, for everyone. You know, what schools are using this year to get children into classrooms safely is a layered approach. They're improving ventilation. Some are doing testing. They're, they're separating desks. And they're having people wear masks. And if you if you ease up on any of those, it, it provides more of an opportunity for, for COVID to spread. I think this fall is going to be really challenging for schools. I think children belong in the classroom. But what we're going to see is little outbreaks, clusters in different schools, schools shutting down, reopening. The, the, the more we can do to reduce the number of times that happens, the better. And wearing masks for everyone will help to, to, to accomplish that. I was going to ask you that, because if there is an outbreak at school because, you know, some kids are wearing masks, some aren't, there's the potential that the school then shuts down. Yeah. So last year we, we did a, a, an approach called cohorting where you tried to keep each class together. And I think schools will do that as well. But when you have a strain that is this contagious, I expect that it's going to jump around different different classrooms and schools will be forced to shut down more than they did, in fact, last year. So all the you know, all the steps we can take right now, the, the biggest one is if you're a parent and you care about your child's health, get vaccinated yourself. That's the most important thing you can do to protect your your child. But but what we're going to see is is schools doing their best to keep children in the classroom but recognizing when there's when there's significant spread in a school, they may need to shut down for a period of time to let things cool down. And, and finally, doctor, I mean a lot of parents say, "Look, the flu is really contagious too. It also is potentially deadly. Kids never wore masks during flu season. What's the difference here?" What would you say? Yeah. I would I would say the magnitude is is, is different. In in a typical flu season, uh, there might be a, a hundred children who unfortunately die from from the flu. Um, here with COVID so far, it's been around 500 children who've died died from the flu, uh, and this is far from from over. The, the other thing is, um, we really don't know yet what the long term consequences are of of COVID. Uh, we don't know how significant these long term symptoms are, and everything we can do to try try and minimize the impact on children and everyone else uh, will be a good thing. So don't don't underestimate the power of COVID. There's also a flu shot, flu vaccine and no no vaccine, unfortunately, for kids under 12 yet. Dr. Besser. Very good point. Very good point. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thank you. And out of that breaking news in South Florida overnight, just weeks after that deadly building collapse, hundreds of residents of a condo building in Miami 
ordered to evacuate after city officials deemed it an unsafe structure. NBC's Kristen Dahlgren joins us with the very latest on this one. Kristen, good morning. What can you tell us? Good morning, Craig. Well, the building has 137 units. Officials say that many of the residents are old. They say some of them even have COVID. All of them were told to get out so that engineers can shore up five or six columns. They worry may be at risk of failure. Overnight, a Miami condo building evacuated over safety fears. After the devastating Surfside building collapse in Miami Beach spotlighted condo safety. Residents of this building were told to leave on short notice after officials ruled it an unsafe building. We have a lot of elderly owners here that have no place to go. Some of them have COVID. Some of them cannot walk. The condo building was added to Miami's unsafe buildings list earlier in the summer after an inspection. So the first day we found that notice, I came home from work and I started crying. Miami's building director says the building company started to make repairs, but they weren't good enough. Their structural integrity has been degraded. It comes after the June 24th tragedy in Surfside, Florida, when the Champlain Towers South building partially collapsed, killing 98 people. Please pray for all of those who've lost loved ones and whose hearts are broken from this unspeakable tragedy. Firefighters there ending their search for bodies just weeks ago. Details emerging after the tragedy showed structural concerns with the building before the collapse. We've got to get the answer, the answer to why that building fell down sooner than later. In nearby Miami, residents of the newly evacuated building are now safe. The city is reportedly working to house the over 130 who are displaced, but many still questioning how this happened. They didn't give us a warning. They didn't tell us anything. This is unacceptable. Now, we reached out to the building company and haven't heard back. Craig, no word on how long those repairs will take to make sure that that building is safe. Kristen Dahlgren for us this morning. Kristen, thank you. 13 minutes after the hour, a lot more to get to, including extreme weather Absolutely. across much of the country. Chanel's here with more on that. Hi. Good morning to you. Dangerously high temperatures, in fact, are spreading across large portions of the country. From coast to coast, severe storms hit the Midwest overnight, and there's also potential trouble brewing in the tropics. We'll get to Al in just a moment. But first, NBC's Shaquille Brewster is in a steamy Chicago forest. Shaq, good morning. Good morning. The folks behind me bracing for a blistery day today here in Chicago, but it was the severe weather overnight that led to ground stops, flight cancellations, and even a temporary evacuation at a control tower at O'Hare Airport. Now comes the heat and humidity, conditions not just felt here, but really all across the country. Overnight in the Midwest, a washout. Heavy rain and dangerously high winds wreaking havoc on the suburbs of Chicago. Further north, threatening funnel clouds seen twisting in the distance. It's almost on the ground. This massive twister west of the city destroying a silo. Oh my goodness. All of it ushering in oppressive heat and humidity. In the Pacific Northwest, millions are now bracing for a blistering heat wave. We've got probably three or four days of some really high heat to get through. Temperatures expected to soar 10 to 20 degrees above average in some places. Across the country, 101 million people are under a heat advisory, watch or warning. In California, there's fear the rising temperature could fuel the raging Dixie fire, still less than a quarter contained. But it's just devastation just killed me. 
78-year-old yeah. Robert Johns lost nearly everything when the fire consumed his trailer. I don't know what I'm going to do. Uh, I need to go down and evaluate what I have left. The fire's impact stretching far across the western U.S., with cities like Boulder, Colorado, trapped under a thick plume of smoke for days. These kinds of extreme temperatures and wildfires cited in an unsettling new report on climate change. A U.N. panel of scientists issuing what they call a code red for humanity, making it clear a hotter future on Earth is all but certain without major intervention. And changes like warming oceans and rising sea levels are already irreversible. That international report is the most comprehensive one that we've seen from that body since 2013. And experts are stressing the changes that we're seeing can be slowed with, quote, rapid, strong and sustained reductions in our greenhouse gas emissions. Chanel? We have to pay attention. All right, Shaq, thank you. And Al joins us with more on today's forecast and that system you're keeping an eye on in the Caribbean. Yeah, we've got a lot going on. Let's show you. We've got coast-to-coast -coast really warm temperatures. We've got uh, through Sunday in the Pacific Northwest, 10 million people. Temperatures as high as 112. The warmest days will be Thursday and Friday. We move to the east from Omaha, Little Rock, Dallas-Fort Worth, Tuscaloosa. We have heat advisories as well and also here into the Northeast. Last time we had an extreme heat advisory for New York City in August 2016. Temperatures will be in the mid to upper 90s for Kansas City, Tulsa, Dallas, Memphis, Lexington, Charlotte, Washington, D.C., New York City. The feels like temperatures will be like they're in the triple digits, so we're going to be watching that. Plus, we've got more severe weather. Chicago again today, just to the west. 37 million people at risk. Damaging winds, hail, can't rule out tornadoes, and that moves to the east tomorrow from Green Bay, Rapid City, Chicago, again, Saginaw, all the way into the northeast for 37 million people, damaging winds, hail, and we could be looking at possible tornadoes, some uh potential downpours. Chicago to St. Louis, also back into Iowa with rainfall amounts one to three inches. And we're watching this tropical system. We expect it to become Fred later today. And you can see the spaghetti plots, the model tracks of this, bring it, some of them, right to the south of Miami, on into the Gulf. We're going to take a closer look at this coming up in the next half hour. And that's your latest weather, guys. All right, Al, thank you. In Silicon this morning, a woman who says she was sexually assaulted by Prince Andrew when she was just 17 now taking legal action directly against Prince Andrew. The disturbing details from a lawsuit just filed here in New York and a live report from Buckingham Palace. Also had this morning a new controversy in the search for Alex Trebek's permanent replacement on Jeopardy. The show's executive producer and the frontrunner for the job defending himself this morning against past allegations at another game show. We'll hear from him. But first, this is Today on NBC. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash today just go to indeed.com slash today right now and support this show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast indeed.com slash today conditions apply need to hire you need indeed all right it's 7 30 tuesday morning 10th of august 2021 we saw all these wonderful people out here and we said let's go out and say hello yes. good morning yes. Having this crowd back on our plaza yes, makes us feel so good. So we'll uh, get out and chat with them in a little bit. And they're from all over. I was talking to a few of them. We've got Iowa well represented. We've got Jersey. We've got California. And a lot of school teachers, too. Love that. And I asked one of the school teachers, I was like, what, what brings you to the plaza? They're like, oh, we're getting ready to go back to school. Yeah, this so is this is the last hurrah. One field, field trip for them. we got to make it fun. But first, let's get a check of our 7.30 headlines. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo's political career is hanging in the balance as state lawmakers take the next step toward his impeachment. The state's Assembly's Judiciary Committee met with investigators yesterday reviewing the sexual harassment allegations against Cuomo. They gave him until Friday to present any evidence in his defense. The governor disputes many of the allegations and denies wrongdoing. The Speaker of the Assembly says his goal is to complete the inquiry within a few weeks. Bipartisan support is growing for President Biden's $1 trillion infrastructure plan. The Senate is on track to give its final approval with about 70 senators ready to vote for the package today. After that, the Senate will immediately launch votes on the second, more expensive phase of that plan. The House is expected to consider both infrastructure bills when it returns from recess in September. Now to Ohio, where a mom may rethink her choice of seats the next time she attends a Major League Soccer game. Morgan Tucker was sitting on the front row of a match between FC Cincinnati and Orlando City when her two-year-old son, Zadig, look at this, runs onto the field to bring live action, chasing the players and the ball. He wanted to play. Tucker then showed some breakaway speed herself, running after him. Look at this, making a sliding tackle and then scooping up both the boy and the glasses she dropped in the process. And get this, play never stopped. And afterwards, the runaway was seen back in the stands, smiling, just sitting on his mom's lap, dangling his feet. Now, normally we would say, like, sign him up. Yeah. No, sign up mom. Sign She's up back. Mom. Right. Mom. Yeah. I love it. Right. He wanted to play. Looking like Charlie Guthrie out there. Oh, wow. Charlie Feldman, I should say. <laughs> uh, right now, let's take a turn, though, to another major story that's making worldwide headlines. This morning, we are learning about an explosive new lawsuit. In fact, it was just filed in federal court here in New York against Britain's Prince Andrew. Yeah, he's being accused of sexual abuse by one of Jeffrey Epstein's longtime accusers who says she was just 17 years old at the time. NBC's Molly Hunter is at Buckingham Palace with the latest on this lawsuit directly against Prince Andrew. Molly, good morning. Hey guys, good morning. That's right. So Virginia Roberts Jeffrey has obviously spoken out before. She's been very outspoken about how Jelaine Maxwell and Jeffrey Epstein allegedly forced her to have sex with Prince Andrew when she was underage. Well, this new federal lawsuit is her latest effort to hold the prince accountable. 
This morning, new legal trouble for Britain's Prince Andrew. Virginia Roberts chief free an outspoken accuser of the late convicted sex offender Jeffrey Epstein is now suing the son of Queen Elizabeth. The federal lawsuit filed Monday accuses Prince Andrew of sexually abusing Jufri on separate occasions when she was under the age of 18, knowing that she was a sex trafficking victim. The suit also says the prince abused her at the invitation of Epstein and Epstein's longtime associate, Jelaine Maxwell. One of the alleged instances happening at Maxwell's London home, Jufri describing the encounter to Savannah in 2019. What happened? The first time in London, I was so young. Keelan woke me up in the morning and said, you're going to meet a prince today. I didn't know at that point that I was going to be trafficked to that prince. The abuse went on for a little bit in the bathroom, and then it continued to the bedroom, and he wasn't rude or anything about it. He said, you know, thank you. Jufree releasing a statement Monday, saying in part, I am holding Prince Andrew accountable for what he did to me. The powerful and rich are not exempt from being held responsible for their actions. The prince's team not commenting overnight, but the royal has repeatedly denied Jufree's allegations in the past. I have no recollection of ever meeting this lady. None whatsoever. He even suggested in a blockbuster 2019 interview with the BBC that this photo with her from that night in London was doctored. I am not one to, um, as it were, hug and um, public displays of affection are not something that, that I do. After that appearance, Prince Andrew stepped back from his public duties. He recently reappeared to mourn the death of his father, Prince Philip. It's a great loss. Tuesday marks two years since Jeffrey Epstein died by suicide in prison as he awaited trial on sex trafficking charges. An investigation into his associates in New York is ongoing, with federal prosecutors previously saying the prince has failed to help. Jelaine Maxwell is currently in a New York jail waiting to go on trial. She has pleaded not guilty to the sex trafficking charges against her. Molly, this alleged abuse happened decades ago. Often that means the statute of limitations will bar a lawsuit from even happening. How has she been able to file this lawsuit now? Right, so Savannah, this suit was filed under a New York law that went into effect in 2019. It gives anyone, uh, any person, a year window to file and sue for sex abuse damages, regardless of when those actual acts occurred. The deadline, though, for claims is next Saturday. Savannah? All right, Molly Hunter at Buckingham Palace. Molly, thank you. When we come back on a Tuesday morning, Jeopardy's executive producer, a front runner to become its next permanent host, speaking out. What he's saying about past allegations from his time at another podcast popular game show that have suddenly resurfaced right after this. We are back with In-Depth Today and the biggest casting question in game show history, who will be the next permanent host of Jeopardy? This week, legendary sportscaster Joe Buck filling in as the final of the 16 guest hosts, but the real tension seems to be playing out behind the scenes. NBC News Now anchor Joe Fryer joins us with more. Good morning to you. Hey there, good morning. So Mike Richards, the show's executive producer and apparent frontrunner for the permanent job, is getting quizzed about some allegations at his previous game show gig, and it comes as the countdown to replace the beloved Alex Trebek is ticking down to the final seconds. Who is the next host of Jeopardy? The man who may be the answer to that question is now pushing back on a daily double dose of controversy. 
rock band. On Monday, Mike Richards, Jeopardy's executive producer, who also had a stint guest hosting earlier this year, confirmed he is one of a few people in behind-the-scenes consideration to become just the second permanent host in the show's history. But it's his time at another game show institution, The Price is Right, that's causing a showdown. During his more than 10-year tenure at the CBS staple, the show faced multiple lawsuits alleging discrimination and harassment. Claims made by former models on the show, including Lanisha Cole and Brandi Sherwood Cochran. One of those, a 2010 lawsuit, claimed Richards criticized models who became pregnant. Richards denied any wrongdoing at the time. Both cases were eventually settled. In a memo to Jeopardy! staff on Monday, Richards said those allegations do not, quote, reflect the reality of who I am, and saying in part, I know firsthand how special it is to be a parent. It is the most important thing in the world to me. I would not say anything to disrespect anyone's pregnancy and have always supported my colleagues on their parenting journeys. Longtime host Drew Carey also defended his old boss on Twitter, saying Richards threw on-air baby showers for the show's models, who, quote, weren't even allowed to talk to me before Mike came on the show. He took them from just bodies on the stage to actual people that audiences could get to know. Richards also pointed NBC News to statements from his former executive producer at The Price's Right, Evelyn Warfel, who tweeted in part, His values as a family man and respect for women in the workplace are unparalleled, adding he was beyond supportive both during and after my pregnancy, which as a new mom meant the world to me. But Richards is also fighting to win over an even more important audience, Jeopardy! viewers. The online debate and disagreement over who should be the show's permanent host has become a potpourri of opinions. It would seem as if everyone does have an opinion over who should be the next host of Jeopardy! But I guess the question on everyone's mind right now is where do things stand in terms of the search for the next host? Well, for the best clues right now, you can actually look at that note that Richard sent his staff. He confirms he has been asked if he would consider hosting the show, but that no final decisions have been made and that discussions with Richards and other potential hosts are still ongoing. He says even though he's the executive producer, the choice is not his to make. Sony Pictures Television will have the final say on who will be the permanent host. I think we're going to find out fairly soon. Okay. I so, think so. They have a new season starting, so they got to make a decision. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Joe, thank you. Mr. Roker, what's shaking eggs and bacon? Uh, that EP thinks, I know a good host. Oh, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> that works out pretty well. So there you have it. Oh, Al. Oh, me. Anyway, hurricane season 2021. We are watching this potential tropical cyclone 6, 65 miles southwest of Guadalupe, 35 mile per hour winds moving northwest at 17. And you can see this is the track of the system by Saturday morning just south of southern, the southern tip of Florida, then skirts along the western coast. 90% chance of development in the next two days. Most likely to become Tropical Storm Fred. We've got Leeward Islands under Tropical Storm Watches, Puerto Rico and the Dominican Republic under Tropical Storm Warning. So we'll be watching this very closely. Heavy rain going to be a big problem. Two to four inches locally, up to six inches of rain, flash flooding, mudslides possible here. And we'll continue to watch it as we head toward the weekend as far as the continental U.S. And that is your latest weather. Savannah? All right, Al, thank you. Coming up next, we've got an update on that mysterious journey of those elephants wandering hundreds of miles across China after more than a year on the move. Is their adventure finally nearing an end? But first, these messages. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. 
The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. And welcome back. So if you have found yourself transfixed by that herd of wandering elephants in the last year, you're not alone. Moving across China, they've attracted worldwide attention and become stars on social media. And now, after walking more than 300 miles, has the group decided there's no place like home? NBC's Janice Mackey Frayer is just all over it in Beijing with an update. Hi, Janice. Hey, good morning, guys. The world has watched these wild elephants walk, nap, and eat their way across southern China. They even stole food from a nursing home. And now there is a second group of elephants that has been on the move in Yunnan province. So we went on the trail, too. This morning, after plundering crops and charming the world, a herd of wild Asian elephants on an epic trek appears to be heading home, coaxed by drones and bananas. They're now 125 miles from where they started in Xishuangbana, where a second herd has been on the move, this time 17 of them leaving a nature reserve, at one point occupying the local botanical gardens. Drones captured them there swimming, splashing around, and taking naps. Can you see that tree there? Mm -hmm. That has been broken by an elephant. Nahimsa Campos-Arcias, an elephant expert here, figures they're going further to seek out food. They eat 400 pounds of it a day. Grasses, bamboo, wild bananas, palms, they will just be on the move continuously. And they cannot spend too much in a place because they will consume all the resources. China's wandering elephants gained global fame back in June when that first herd made it 300 miles north of here, causing a million dollars damage along the way. Here, it's hard to spot the wild elephants from the ground. Oh. And besides, they're known to be aggressive. The herd has been wandering about two miles from here into the rainforest where they find what they like, more food and few people. With protection laws, the population of wild elephants roughly doubled to 300 since the 1990s. But they've lost two-thirds of their habitat to development and farmland, forcing a coexistence with humans that may not always be peaceful. They can make mistakes. You know, when you have more room for choice, you can also make bad choices of where to go or what to do. Both herds are being tracked using infrared cameras, drones and night vision. There are situation rooms with an early warning system. Videos from surveillance cameras and live streams have made the elephants internet stars here. They're very sentient. Elephants get sad. Elephants get happy. You can see this, this sound. This, this is very expressive, right? But the most striking images are those of the elephants on their own. A rare glimpse, even for experts, at life in the wild. There are a lot of people who have been keeping tabs on these elephants. For the first herd, they've laid down a path to try to guide them away from busy areas and back toward the nature reserve. But given this shrinking landscape for wild elephants here, it's highly likely that this herd is going to be hitting the road again soon. Guys, all right, on the move. Okay, Janice, thank you very much. This train's never left. Well, I'm just saying they're avoiding Alabama because Alabama, the Tuscaloosa. So... Tuscaloosa. Tuscaloosa. Okay. All right. Should we, should we just go ahead with the tease? I think so. <laughs> sure. Sure. Just ahead here on a Tuesday morning, uh, we're going to tag along on another adventure. This one, Al Savannah.
they head upstate to explore a summer hotspot and find small businesses thriving once again after a difficult year. Plus, two of our favorite Olympic stories. We'll chat with Molly Seidel about winning a medal in just her third marathon ever. Hi, Molly. And Eddie Alvarez, the third American to win medals in summer and winter games here and ready to reunite with his family next. I live by routines, especially my same-day delivery routine with Shipped. Because when Sunday rolls around, I'm not scared. I got my shopper on the way with all my favorites. Shipped. Delight in every delivery. Learn more at Shipped.com.